Hi everyone and welcome to Avid Travel with Britton Frost. I, of course, am your host, Britton Frost, and today we are joined by Dan Blanchard, the CEO of Uncruise Adventures. And if you haven't heard of Uncruise Adventures before, I really encourage you to listen to this podcast because they have some really, really cool activities. They do cruises in Alaska and beyond. So uh, we'll, of course, hear about all of that from Dan in a second here. But before we do that, I want to hop into a little bit of cruise news. I feel like I haven't said that in forever because we've been doing these combined river and ocean podcasts. But today we are going to do a little bit of cruise news. So first off, we have Princess, who has detailed the new Alaska season that, of course, started just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago even. So we have Royal Princess starting her inaugural Alaska season on May 11th. And there are a few new programs aboard. Princess is doing a few new things like um, they'll do a planetarium type thing where you can see the northern lights. And also a few new onshore adventures, a few new speakers, Um, And then they're also doing a thing called Glacier Tea and Beer Tastings, which is a new cocktail. They'll call it a Glacier Tea. It's a twist on a Long Island iced tea. And then they'll do um, beer tastings from a brewery in Alaska. So that's pretty cool. We also have Windstar offering a new package called the All In Package, which includes Wi-Fi, laundry service, and more. Um, It includes drinks and different things like that. And the package goes for just under hundred dollars at $89 per person per day. And that includes, as I said, all wines, beers, and everything like that. It also includes the hotel and beverage gratuities. And then of course that Wi-Fi and laundry that I mentioned before. We also have Victory Cruise Lines, who is building their third vessel. And if you are not familiar with Victory Cruise Lines, it is actually the American Queen Steamboat Company. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that either. They do Mississippi River Cruises, and they have started a cruise line with bigger ships. So you can read more about that over on the site as well. Um, We also have some images of Scenic's new submarine, the Scenic Eclipse submarine called the Scenic Neptune. Um, Obviously, I can't really talk much about that. So please feel free to go to the blog on Avid Cruiser and look at those images. Um, And that is all for cruise news. So I guess we'll go ahead and get into our podcast with Dan Blanchard. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I really did. I learned a lot about Uncruise and It sounds, you know, I'm itching to go to Alaska and just the more that I hear about this, the more that I want to go. So. Today, I am joined with Dan Blanchard, the CEO of Uncruise Adventures, and I am so excited to have you here today. How are you doing, Dan? Well, wonderful. I'm uh, speaking to you from Seattle today, but headed to Juneau shortly to the great land. Yes, I know. Alaska. We've talked about it so many times on this podcast, and I have never been able to do Alaska, but I want to. It just sounds so fun. So we'll get more. We know. Yes, there. Yeah, 
Yeah, and we'll that would be great. But we will get more into your Alaska programs in a second here. Um, we'll just kind of start by talking about your fleet a little bit. Um, you know, about maybe the size of the fleet, how long you all have been operating, um, how, the size of your ships, and anything that you would want to note about kind of just the ships themselves. Sure. Um, you know, our vessels have eight that we own and one that we charter. And of the eight that we own, uh, they range from 22 passengers and a very luxurious small ship experience uh, right up to 90 passengers. And um, the vessels are, you know, we don't know whether to call them boats or ships. Um, ships often, uh, you know, that people think of uh, the large cruise ships and and we're kind of the antithesis to that in many ways, thus the name Uncruise Adventures. Uh, in fact, we're really probably closer related to adventure slash experiential travel than we are the cruise industry. Uh, it just so happens that to get to these very highly experiential, wonderful parks and wilderness areas, that a boat is a wonderful way to do it. So it's it's kind of the reverse of the cruise industry as a whole, where the, the ship tends to be the, the main focus, but really it's what's off the ship is the focus for us. But we, uh, we started operations uh, in 1996, which, uh, wow, was I ever that young? <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, we started in 1996, and we uh, started in Alaska. We're Alaska-centric. Um, we, out of our eight vessels, we have six that are there regularly and occasionally a seventh. Um, so we run the longest operation season in Alaska. We started three weeks ago, actually, uh, on April 6th, and we'll finish up on October 6th. And uh, the, the longest ever running cruise line in Alaska's history. So that's something we're looking forward to. Wow, that is, <clears throat> excuse me. That's that's great, and the fact that you go a little bit earlier is nice too, because it's not super overrun then by different cruises, is it? That's very true. Um, you know, we're not a port centric company, so we always have the opportunity to be in the wilderness by ourselves. But it is true when we uh, do our turnarounds in Ketchikan, Juneau, or Sitka that uh, this time of year, it's very quiet. In fact, uh, it's not until we're into our third or fourth week of operation that we see the first cruise ship. Yeah. It's also interesting, you know, people's perception of Alaska is in their brain, they see the Arctic and polar bears and snow and ice, which is not really part of the, the picture in Southeast Alaska. But in the spring, they do get to see snow very low down and it is extremely picturesque, and of course, we, we have our humpbacks back in place, and it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful experiential time of year. And I do want to talk about the size of the ships or boats or whatever you know you've decided to call them. Um, what is the capacity for, for guests, the passenger capacity? Yeah, um, you know, the vessels are basically uh, small ships for sure. And, you know, they range from as, as little as 125 feet up to about 240. Um, so they are relatively small. And they range, our smallest vessel carries 22 guests in a, in a very luxurious platform. Uh, and then our largest vessel carries 90. Um, and we have a couple boats right around that size. Uh, a lot of our boats are right around that 60 to 75 range. Um, and that, uh, for the most part, is about a two-to-one 
uh, crew ratio. Because there's so much activity off the vessel, uh, we need a lot of expedition staff to be able to pull off the events that we have. And I do want to talk briefly. I know that we're saying, you know, the ship isn't the desti- isn't the destination for these things. But um, what can you expect from the interiors of these ships? Do, it, does it feel like kind of a, a will? You know, we talked about wilderness. Does it feel kind of like you're doing this active trip that's not super luxurious, or 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 how did how do the interiors feel? You know, it depends a little bit on the boat. Um, we have uh, our green hulls, which are our expedition vessels, which have slightly smaller cabins. And then we have our blue hulls, which are our, our higher-end cabins, much larger public spaces, this kind of thing. So we do have everything from an expedition-style vessel. All of them, of course, have in-suite heads and all this kind of thing. Um, but the, the blue hulls are much you know, larger cabins and, and finishes. That's the platforms themselves. As far as the activities go, the inclusive nature of of all beverages, uh, from you know beer to high end uh, cocktails and such, are all included in the price. Um, that's that goes over both vessels, the expedition style and our more luxurious vessels. Okay, and then and now we will move on from the ships a little bit and more into kind of what they do and where they go. So you mentioned Alaska already. Where else do your ships, our vessels, take guests? Yeah, our, our ships or vessels <laughs> travel, um, of course, in Alaska, the Pacific Northwest, which includes Washington State, Oregon, uh, British Columbia. And then we, we also venture off to Hawaii, where we have uh, a vessel year-round starting next year. And that's the Safari Explorer, one of our more luxurious vessels. Uh, we also operate down on the Columbia Snake River, which is the between uh, Washington, Oregon, and all the way to Idaho. And which is interesting, you know, you go from uh, essentially from Astoria, Oregon, all the way to Idaho. It's over 600 miles inland. You really, you actually go through the Cascade Mountain Range and uh, get to the to near the Rockies. Um, it's people just don't realize how far that trip goes yeah. uh, from sea to shore, way inshore to Idaho. Um, then, of course, we operate down in the Sea of Cortez. We were one of the first operators to ever open up small ship cruising down there, uh, as well as we have a vessel full-time in Costa Rica and Panama uh, with some other ventures coming up uh, beyond that, that area in the future here. And I think that we have some interest from our end in that uh, Panama trip. I think Ralph is kind of trying to set something up to do that. So I look forward to hearing um, from him, what you know about that experience, um, but it's nice to to kind of talk about the diversity of itineraries because I think a lot of times when people think of active cruises, especially on um, you know your ships aren't really ocean ships, but on these kind of ships that are on the seas, they they tend to think of the more like severe climates. A lot of people think Alaska, um, Antarctica, and, you know, there's definitely active options and options for travelers in um, more of the warm towns as well. Um, but, you know, as far as the excursions go on these trips, what what are you doing day to day? 
Uh, you know, it, it varies on the destination, of course. Uh, and I was going to say also we, we operate in the Galapagos where, for instance, there our activities are, are very land-based in the terms of hikes and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have kayaking and that type of thing. Across all our destinations, really touching the land and sea is the major key. So, you know, it'll be anything from skip tours to paddling an S, a stand-up paddleboard to snorkeling in Alaska or snorkeling in Hawaii or the Galapagos, uh, Costa Rica, Panama. And then, of course, the kayaks come in. Uh, kayaks are a big, big piece of our activities aboard. Um, so there, there are many various activities that can take place at any given destination, but it's geared to the destination. A lot of people thought when we first opened up snorkeling in Alaska about eight years ago that we were a little bit nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to tell you, it's awesome. And people, uh, even if, if they uh, are, have some trepidation about the cold water, uh, we have these wetsuits that must be darn near half inch. They're thick. But the once they get in, it's one of those things that's almost like a... Uh, a must-do bucket list. I snorkeled in Alaska. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that kind of activity takes place in our other destinations as well. But, you know, I think the, the, the real difference between our company and others that are in the uh, small ship business or in the expedition business is that the experience goes with them everywhere. Mm-hmm. In other words, it doesn't take that rugged Alaska uh a place to be able to pull this off. Our boat in Hawaii, where many people have traveled, uh, is able to see Hawaii at a totally different viewpoint. And that that includes, uh, you know, the cultural aspect of small groups that we're able to pull off on Molokai. We're the only ship of any kind that visits Molokai uh, because we have, we're very low impact and the community accepts that. They want, there's a, a term, keep Molokai, Molokai. And we are real believers in that. So the advantage to our small boats is that we can really get in there and respect the culture, respect the the wonders of the outdoors in a way that don't trample it. Yeah, and I think that it's really cool that you mentioned, you know, kind of the bucket list excursion of, of snorkeling in Alaska. And it seems almost like one of those things if you are... It's just a nice story to go home and be able to tell, you know, because it's something that seems, as you said, like kind of crazy. And I don't know. I just I love that. And that sounds so fun. Uh, But do you have a favorite excursion that you offer? Or, you know, maybe a few. I know it's always hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to think of them in terms of excursions because when we as an industry think of shore excursions, we think of, okay, you're going to go up on this tram ride today. Sure. And our, our itineraries are extremely fluid because, you know, nature doesn't really work on the ship's clock. Mm-hmm. It works on a clock, whether it's whales or, or conditions. So I would say that, you know, our excursions are happening all the time. Yeah. Um, but my favorite, <laughs> if I had to pick one, would, would generally be any time I am in solitude in the wilderness Um, to me a lot of solace in that and uh, just peace of being in a kayak on a on a calm inner sea with whales in the background and sea lions barking and it's my experience the the guides give us lots of free range or we're not like uh following kayaks one right after the other 
uh, which gives for some real quiet time in nature. I will say that, you know, along with the, the snorkeling and those kind of bucket list items, that I think one of the great things uh, that we offer is the ability for, like, multi-generational families to travel where the parents or grandparents uh, may or may not be as active as they used to be. They may be just happy to hop in the skip and get a, a terrific, uh, you know, walk on the beach or just a ride in the skip which, with great interpretation uh, or sit back with a book on board while the, the children or grandchildren are out playing hard and putting some sweat on their brow. So we've really tried to design our trips to be able to encompass all the needs that a multi-generational family might have. I'm going to be 24 this year, and I often think of trips that I can do myself, my mother, and my grandmother. And to be able to cater to the needs of all of those different generations is something that, you know, not everyone is trying to do or wants to do necessarily. Um, so being able to find experiences that would be suitable for that kind of multi-generational travel is something that's really special. Is there a certain age limit for your trips? Well, on the upper end, <laughs> we have, uh, it is kind of funny, and I mean that a little tongue-in-cheek, but we have, we have 80 and 90-year-olds hopping in the kayak for the first time. They generally go with a crew member. So there's no upper end for sure. Yeah. But we do believe that, um, that it, like, eight and above is probably the most beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, we have occasional family departures where we take uh, kids under eight, but we're, we really believe through our experience that that group that's eight and above is going to benefit the most. Well, and it, especially if you're going out and kayaking or, you know, it, 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 it takes a certain amount of physical ability as well that a child may not have. And obviously can't leave a five-year-old on the boat to read a book while you're out doing things uh, like you can with grandma. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> That's very true, and uh, but when we do have our family departures, you know, we we set up to be able to handle children of all ages and have special activities that are geared just for the kids. We even on our family departures have uh, oftentimes the expedition staff will set up tents on the top deck, and uh, you know they'll actually camp out with the kids. And oh, that's awesome. So there's a lot cool things when we have our family departures that we can do because it is a specific family departure. Yes, that sounds so fun too. I always love doing these interviews because it's just like thing, I hear things and I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds awesome. I want to do that. Um, that's so, that's so cool. But what does, you know, is apart from kind of these excursions, I know you said that maybe excursions isn't a great word because oftentimes when we think of excursions, our mind jumps somewhere. Um, but apart from these maybe active ventures off of the ship, what does life look like on the ship and how much time, I, I guess that also you kind of said that you can spend as much time on board as you want to, but as someone who would want to get off the ship, how much time would you be spending on board and what are you doing during that time? Yeah, first of all, the environment, even on our more luxurious vessels, is very casual. Um, I have not seen a guest with a tie on ever. Okay. Nor <laughs> so it, it is very casual. Um, you know, you have to understand a little bit of the client to, for me to answer that question mm -hmm. fully. Um, but our clients are, are, which are the 
the parents and the grandparents, they were the types that maybe went to Europe on 10 bucks a day mm-hmm. uh, when it was college. And now what they've got is they still have this amazing mindset of adventure last their whole life. And But now they want a comfortable bed to come back to. So frame that with that mentality of person with this very casual environment on board. And what you find is that it's, it's very bonding because the, you know, things like the beverages are all included. There's no extra costs in the cruise. The pressure at the register or to, you know, check out or be counting dollars isn't there. So what happens is you find that this is a very synergistic environment for very similar minded people to share story and spend lots of good time together. Of course, there are particularly in the evenings are educational talks that go on uh, one to two every evening. Uh, those are, of course, optional, generally in the bar, uh, which is a great place. Uh, happy hours, that kind of thing. But during the day, it's generally a thing where the what we call our hard chargers are out there early. And that might be when, uh, people that are, are, you know, it sounds like you're a bit of a hard charger. I certainly am it. <laughs> 60, I'm still a, I can outdo almost anybody in my office. Um, but the, the point being is we got the hard chargers off the boat early and sometimes they'll be gone yeah. all day. Yeah. And, and uh, sometimes they'll come back for lunch at noon. Sometimes it'll be packed up and then the next group goes out. Maybe they're going to go out for a two hour learn to kayak and, and then the next group goes out five minutes later and, and maybe that's a, uh, a skip tour that's based heavily on the natural world. So there's lots of different things that are both on and off the boat. Of course, our boats have hot tubs and that kind of thing too, as well as uh, exercise equipment, great libraries. Every cabin has binoculars, so it's it's set up very well for the experiential traveler. Yeah, and to me it kind of sounds like almost, you know, that there are so many options on on guided tours and things like that um and and being able to kind of break into smaller groups that you can kind of do what you want to do at at any given time i of course there are parameters but you know just having the flexibility to to go out in the morning or or wait until the afternoon or to stay on the ship and be in the hot tub and read a book which you know although i do like being active that's something that i like to do sometimes as well so what I always appreciate when having these discussions is when people are able to say, you know, well, there are, there are these options because, yes, that makes a difference for multi-generational travelers or different types of travelers, but it also can, can be a different option for the same traveler. So, you know, some days I may not want to get off the ship or you may um, want to, you know, have lunch with someone. So I always appreciate that kind of distinction. Yeah, that's really true. And, you know, really another thing that uh, as far as the boat itself goes and what it provides to guests is the Epicurean experience as well. Um, You know, one of the things about having groups that are 90 and under uh, is we're not taking on a truckload of of food or many truckloads that, it uh, you know, to come through standard providers and this kind of thing. For instance, uh, you know, the food that we get in, in Hawaii, most of it comes from an island called Molokai, where it's grown organically on the island. I'll pick up 
from the farm, the farmer comes down in a pickup and drops off this food uh, in, in big containers. Uh, and this happens throughout uh, our operation in other areas, whether it be Hawaii or down on the Columbia River. We have just tremendous farming and that type of thing, and particularly strong in Costa Rica and Panama, where uh, the type of food we get is amazing. We're also, we're the first company in the world, waterborne, to be approved by the Monterey, Monterey Aquarium Seafood Watch. So, you know, these things that we take really seriously as a company is a sustainable ability to uh, operate our boats, whether it be, you know, in 2007 or eight, we got rid of all reusable or single-use plastics and went with reusable items. And besides being an experiential adventure type thing, the interior of the boats also have the epicurean finish, which is superb in my mind and certainly healthier than most people can even eat at home. And But, but coupled with um, this very conscious effort to reduce our footprint in the world that we know today is, is getting smaller and smaller as far as untouched areas. Yep. And I think that that emphasis on sustainability is so important, especially in this industry. And that's something that I've talked about many times before is that there there is pressure i think from from consumers to have more sustainable options on ships and like you said i mean getting rid of the single-use plastics can be really hard sometimes because people are drinking um drinking water from water you know bottled water um all of the toiletries i mean it's it's not always easy to do but it's important to do so I always I appreciate that conversation. <laughs> it, it's crazy in our eyes just how much. And, and this is, it's not just the plastic, but, but what this does to the environment on board when you have so much single-use items uh, or so many items that are single-use. Um, you know, for instance, uh, long before it was popular, uh, we were putting our soaps in the, in the showers and heads uh, you know, in larger containers that stay, that are just refilled from large jugs. And, mm-hmm. uh, we were the first company, again, in the world that I know of that used keg wine uh, for our, our primary serves because the waste is just greatly reduced and you actually end up with a better wine. And so it's, uh, we still have wine by the bottle on our higher end stuff, but it's, it's amazing when you have a mindset towards what can we do to reduce our impact and really take it seriously what you can do as a company. Yeah, that's great. I could talk about that all day long, but we unfortunately have to move on from that. But we do need to have this conversation another day because it's something that I'm very passionate about. And even the wine, I mean, that's just so cool. I, I, I honestly applaud you for that. That's, that's great. Um, but we touched on this a little bit a little bit when we were talking about um, kind of the age groups. Who is the, and you know, you were talking about the people who would go through Europe for $10 a day. So is that's un, is that Uncruise's ideal passenger? Who is the target demographic for this experience? You know, Brittany, it's, it's really interesting. I It's really more of a psychographic than a demographic. And I say that because our folks don't fit a demographic in general terms. Uh, you know, if we look at a demographic, which would give us between this age and this age and this income and this income, and they tend to live in, you know, cities versus country, whatever, 
that only tells part of the picture. For us, we really have to look at the psychographic, which is what is in our heads, whether we are 23 going on 24, whether we're 60 or whether we're 90. And the reality is human spirit does not change over the years. Uh, a spirited person that has an interest in the outdoors at 20 will have that same spirited interest when they're 90. Uh -huh. It just changes. They're, they just have different abilities. So for us, is that the ideal passenger is one that is highly spirit experiential. Um, they tend to uh, start out in their mid-40s and go up to, you know, in their 90s from an age standpoint. Although, you know, our, our sweet group is tends to be between about 50 and 70. Um, and that has a lot to do with the cost of the trips, too. Uh -huh. A lot of uh, 30, 20, and 30-year-olds that come with their families, but generally they're not in a position economically yet to be able to necessarily afford these trips, uh, but they love them, trust me. <laughs> so uh, I look at that, that psychographic. What I'm trying to do is say, okay, they're, they're, that psychographic is essentially Dan Blanchard. And if Dan Blanchard is going to be out there, you know, most of his life, if not all my life, um, exploring, wanting to get to unique places where the masses can't go, that's what I need to provide. So they tend to be an energetic group uh, physically. Um, they tend to be have tremendous curiosity. Um, they are, are ones that may never see themselves on a large ship because, again, the difference between a large ship, which is more of a resort-type situation, uh, that they're not the type of people that generally go to resorts. Uh, that is too pedestrian for them. Um, they tend to be the types that really they'll choose uh, adventure companies or high-experience companies, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, over... Uh, you know, larger ships or resorts or what they would consider uh, ho-hum destinations. So the type that would not necessarily go to Waikiki ever, but would flourish on Molokai uh, or Kauai or Panama, uh, that type of thing. And I do want to, you know, I always have said and, and I think I say this almost in every interview as well, is that it is always about a mindset. And as you said, that doesn't change as you get older, your ability changes. But the type of person who's going to like this experience is going to like it no matter what. And so I think that that I, I keep saying, you know, these are important distinctions to make, but because they are, you know, you see so many people talk about demographics, and this is who we want on these ships. And I was on a ship a couple of months ago, and I asked uh, one of the the heads of a department on the ship of entertainment what they were doing to cater to people my age and how this experience was going to be suitable for people my age and and he kind of said well we don't you know we don't do that we don't cater to people your age we cater to this demographic and i think that that mindset is kind of problematic because you're crafting experiences for a certain type of person, not for this age group. And and I think that that's an important, it's important to put emphasis on that. So thank you for that. Um, but that, all of that being said, in talking about kind of the destinations that you go to and the types of activities that cruisers are doing, this sounds like 
a good option for a river cruiser, in my opinion, someone who wants to go maybe somewhere that that or there is not a river, you know, somewhere where you need a slightly bigger ship to go. And as far as capacity, it sounds like, you know, some of your ships have the same capacity as a river cruise ship, if not smaller. So maybe it's not necessarily getting bigger in a sense of passenger capacity, but in the size of the ship and in the scale of, of where you're traveling. I mean, do you see river cruisers coming over and trying these um, cruises? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, in, in, in recent years, I would say in droves. Um, it, it, but it, it would be the river cruiser that is interested in the, the type of activity that we provide. Sure. For instance, uh, river companies that provide, you know, the walk along or the ride along on bikes or, or activities as the vessel's moving, uh, which tend to be like, uh, you know, particularly the, the barges in Europe doing the canals. Yep. Or, uh, the more intimate experience, that group is a big fan of ours, okay. as well as some of the river users as well. So, it, again, it kind of gets to the psychographic sure. a little bit more of, of that particular river cruiser. Um, I, I think that the, the one thing that is different when you're, when you're on a river, whether it's on our boats right now on the Columbia and Snake River and this kind of thing, you know, the river itinerary is uh, you are on a river that has boundaries. And the difference between a river and, say, a cluster of islands like the Alexander Archipelago in Alaska or the Galapagos or, you know, the San Juan Islands in Washington State is that you do have more freedom. Um, so one of the things that guests that come to us really look for is they want to have that same freedom um, that we're, we're trying to sell, but even more so. For instance, uh, this is kind of funny, but when I give my pre-boarding talks, uh, which I do in Juneau, uh, where I live, um, most of every weekend, uh, one of the things I do is I, I, I share I, how many of you people, you know, signed up with us based on this brochure or our website, you know, people raise their hand. And, and then I explain that, you know, that was the best we could do a year ago when that brochure came out. And then I throw it away. I literally throw it across the room. And let them know that this is really not about what's in the brochure. We're going to get you to that next point in seven days or 14 days. It's all about what happens during the trip, and we're going to adjust as we need to go. So that river cruiser that loves the element of a new town and seeing exciting things and the potential different things they can do there fits us very well. Um, and so thus, we do get a lot of them. Okay. Yeah, I think maybe I always think of river cruising as more active than big big ship cruising because I often just opt for all of the active excursions. I'm always like, oh yeah, this. but I do forget that like there are gentle walking tours and you know people stay on the boat. So yeah, and of course the one thing we have also, you know, a lot of people go to river cruising because they love the idea of not having to worry about sea state. Mm -hmm. um, ocean and because we're working on inland waters and protected areas uh, compared to a larger ship which oftentimes goes out in open ocean uh, that's another big reason that river cruisers really enjoy us yeah you're getting a more um, you're getting a more focused experience you're you're getting more in depth with one region instead of kind of going to many different places and just getting an overview which I, I like that experience. What can we look forward to 
in the upcoming years for Uncruise Adventures? Well, we have a lot of things uh, on the cooker. Uh, one of the things that I've kept as the owner and CEO over the years is I'm still in charge of our product development. And I literally sign off every itinerary every year before it goes to print. So with that, I will say that that, that any, fla- any place we go, it'll have a similar flavor, even though it's a different destination in the sense of activities and experiential th- items within the itinerary. But some of the things we have coming up, um, we just uh, are going to announce here very shortly uh, that we're moving to Belize in uh, late 2020. Um, so we're going to start in Belize uh, in October of 2020 with the Safari Voyager. And then uh, we're also going to be venturing off to a new itinerary between Colombia and Panama in 21. And that is a, uh, uh, a tremendous start in Cartagena, Colombia, and then through the San Blas Islands and through the Panama Canal to the Darien. Um, it's going to be one of my favorite itineraries, having run it in my own boat before. Uh, then we also have uh, in Prince William Sound in Alaska starting in 2021 as well. Uh, we've been looking forward to that for a long time. We'll be running our vessel, the Safari Quest, up there. And starting next year, we uh, are year-round in Hawaii uh, with the Safari Explorer. So those are just a few of the things uh, we're looking at. We're also in the process of uh, coming up with a new itinerary that, that we're doing a practice, or I should say a, not a practice, but our first uh, kind of run-on with some travel agents right now this week uh, in Panama uh, in Costa Rica. And then uh, we have plans to get back into the Amazon in 22 as well. So those are just a few of the things that are kind of on the, the docket yeah. uh, as far as expansion goes. Well, that's a lot, and that's exciting. You know, new destinations are always, always good for travelers. It gives them more options. So that's great. Do you feel like we've missed anything? Uh, you know, I think we've hit on most of it. I, I think um, yeah. kind of going back to who the, the passenger is, I uh, when I look at it from a psychographic, they, you know, they tend to be the, this a little bit contrarian person. Um, they're the types that can kick up their heels and just enjoy and scream out loud uh, about life, but they're also this, this unique person that just sits back and has a cup of coffee in their hand in the silence of the morning and breathes deep and sucks it in. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe that individual entirely, but they're a they're a a very conscious person about the outdoors, but they're also they tend to be a kick your heels up and have fun crowd. Some of the spontaneous dance parties that take place on boats are hilarious. That is awesome. Spontaneous dance parties are always fun. I always love when that kind of just erupts. I or I guess that's what spontaneous is. But yes, I those are so fun always. So it's nice to know that there's, you know, that kind of relaxed environment on board and that I, I really appreciate like the emphasis on the flexibility of the of the trips as well. And just you can see that in kind of like you were talking about the dance parties, you know, just being able to start something, which is just really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. It is, it's a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. 
Well, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me on Avid Travel with Britain Frost. I hope that you all have a great week and I will see you next time. Bye.